thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damian Kristoff on a PC. <laughs> and this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness to our lives. We've been getting uh, heaps of questions, guys, from on Facebook and uh, on email. And so we thought it's about time for us to really do a podcast on some question and answer. It's been a while. Um, we've been busy doing a lot of interviews and giving you guys information. So let's uh, tackle this one on some questions and answers. Let's start off with the very first one. We've got a whole list here, so we'll try to get through as many as we can. Now, the first one is from Helen. Helen actually is a patient of mine from WA. So she asked the question, what is better for water? What kind of water is better, tap water, filtered, or bottled? Uh, Brett, would you like to kind of put your two two cents on uh, this? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, what I'd like to say is drinking water is good. So I think sometimes (laughs) sometimes people get a bit like mixed up and they think, oh, like there's so many different options here. Which way do I go? And I say to them, look, first of all, just drink water. Like whichever way you get it, water is really important for you. You need to get some of it into you. So just get into it and get some water. Um, But then... You know, there's a whole range of different options you can do, and there is still some debate about which way is the best way to go. You know, I know, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the absolute best way to go might be reverse os- reverse osmosis filters, which are pretty expensive, um, and and certainly one way of doing it. Other people will say, oh no, there's, you know, it, it takes out too much of the ions and stuff in the water, so other ways are better to go. I think, I think what we can definitely say is that most tap waters, particularly here in Australia, have a lot of stuff added to them that you'd rather not be added to them. Um, so, you know, in terms of things that are designed to, to keep them clean, like chlorine and things like that, they're, they're great at killing bugs in the water, but they're also great at killing bugs inside your body. So you might not necessarily want to get heaps of chlorine into your body. Um, so I think filtering it in some way is a good idea if you're going to do that. Um, and obviously, we also know that bottled water, you know, we know the, the plastics, you know, storing any food in plastics is not necessarily a great idea either. Um, so you want to consider that when you're thinking about the bottled water. So I think probably a really good filtered water is probably the best way to go. Uh, but I think just drinking water is a, a good option. That's a fair call. That's a really good point. I think that's a great start. But if you live in Adelaide, I suggest you don't drink the water there at all. Uh, <laughs> nah, it's not that bad. It's <laughs> Whatever water. you do, don't drink Adelaide tap water. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely terrible. I don't know what you're talking water. about, Dale. It no, it's smells. Still water. Still water. Oh, you know, man. Like, there's different scales of water, you know. You wouldn't recommend people drink uh, the Yarra River water for sure, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, drinking any kind of water is going to be good for you. If And the better the quality of the water it is, the better it is for your body, right? So some water is great. And there's other waters that are better. Now, there's some people out there talking about this Kangen water. Have you guys heard of that stuff? Yeah, yeah. I got um, I got uh, loaned this machine the other day that was going to call, create all these uh, different types of pH levels in my water. Mm. And uh, it was a big, fat, ugly machine, and I didn't want it in my office. But <laughs> what it's you know, and again, it was it was it appeared to be another multi-level marketing company kind of gimmick thing. Um, however. My two cents is that, again, if you want to have a machine in your house that's going to provide a different pH to your water, then go for gold. It, it might be a really, really good thing, but it just wasn't for me, you know. So, mm. again, there's different levels of the sort of water that you can buy. 
the better the water you're prepared to commit to, good for you. Go for gold. Yeah, I think I think it's really important too. I think it's very important to. I don't think yeah, drinking water. Period is absolutely the must. I think that's the key idea. But you know, if you can and afford to filter your water, then do so. I think that's exactly what uh, Damien and Brett are saying here. Um, what about uh, if we are? Let's talk about water filters for a sec. Um, for a second, what some of the rec- what are some of the recommendations you guys would use for water filters? Since we're on that topic. Uh, well, I've got I've got a uh, a water filter that sits on my bench top, mm. and um, I'm I'm going to I'll say the name not because I'm sponsored by them because I'm not. Uh, although I wouldn't mind being just a little plug in there. That's right. Mine's a little Zazen water filter, and uh, you can get another one that's called a Nikon water filter. Again, yeah. it's uh, I think they're done through another multi-level marketing thing, but it's got a nice big jug at the top which filters through a ceramic. Uh, filter system, which takes out mud and all those sorts of things. That it goes through um, carbon, activated carbon, to take out chlorine. It goes through a number of different uh, membranes to actually filter out other bits and pieces. Then it goes into a big well at the bottom, and it has stones in the bottom, and it puts back in minerals into the water. So I think that's pretty nice. It's beautiful it's tasting. A, I'm really it's happy quite a nice it. looking one too, Dave. It actually looks pretty nice. It kind of looks like it should have a fish in it, but it looks yeah, nice. I want to put fish in there. I do. <laughs> yeah. It's got these little pebbles at the bottom. Yeah. That's what I use. That's what, and prior to that, I used to have an Amway one. Again, another multi-level marketing company, but uh, the Amway one was really costly and exy and wasted a lot of water and blew lots of valves. So I, uh, I, I moved away from that. But um, this one, I think, is great. Okay. Well, I use a reverse osmosis uh, water fil- filter, and I actually used it in the Cam one, um, the one you have before. It's actually quite good as well. Um, mm-hmm. It does t- definitely change the taste in the water too, and that's when you pour a, a bucket of Adelaide water, you get about a couple of drips after they filter all that <laughs> stuff. No, I'm just joking. No, I'm just joking. All right, let's move on to well, the next it- question. Uh, Michelle has a question on intermittent, uh, intermittent fasting, I believe, and uh, the question was um, if and when to practice intermittent fasting. Brett, you have uh, a take on this. Yeah, this is this is something I'm quite interested in actually, uh, purely because one thing I've noticed as I've sort of gone more paleo and, and probably got more fat and protein into my diet is that I'm not as hungry as often and, and that I can uh, just coincidentally just sort of go and, and miss meals without even, honestly, without even really realizing. And so I sort of became interested in this whole intermittent fasting idea and um, I'm always, I'm really careful about talking about intermittent fasting because I, I'm conscious of the fact that there'll be some people out there who will see this as an opportunity to not eat food as a way of trying to lose weight. Um, And I don't think that's necessarily a healthy perspective to have around this. I think we need to be really careful about recommending um, any sort of, you know, diet like this. But but I do think that, um, you know, one thing that I found, as I said, is changing my diet, that this has kind of occurred naturally, that that I just haven't been as hungry as often and have tended to go periods without necessarily eating that three square meals a day, which which I think is probably quite natural. I think that's, you know, from a, you know, a paleo perspective, I think we probably didn't always sit down and eat three meals a day. We probably had times where we didn't catch something on the hunt or whatever, uh, or had times where food was more challenging to find, which obviously in our modern society, food is, is never really challenging to find. Um, so I find this intermittent fasting concept really interesting. Um, it's not at this stage something that I necessarily recommend to people um, unless they're you know, really in control of their lifestyle and really in control of their diet and just want to try this as sort of an added, you know, experiment with it. Uh, but it's certainly not something that I recommend people. I, I think there's so many other things you can focus on that are going to get you really great results before, you know, going down this intermittent fasting line. Uh, what I have said to people is if you're really interested in this, there's a really good ebook on this um, from a guy called Dr. John Berardi. Uh, it's called Experiments with Intermittent Fasting. And he actually kind of did a bit of self-experimentation and went through this and did this all on himself. And 
And he takes quite a balanced view of it. He's not really in favour of intermittent fasting. He's not really against it. But he sort of goes through the pros and the cons of it and, and talks about it. And one thing that I actually found really interesting for me was one of the things he suggested was his suggestion was that, that most people should have a go at some stage of doing a 24-hour intermittent fast. Um, just, just to get a bit of an idea, and he goes into this in more detail, but just to get a bit of an idea of, I guess, our relationship with food and the kind of things we tell ourselves about food, about how much we need it and you know, our kind of desperation we can get to when we don't have you know, a meal or you know, what, what it means when our body's hungry and kind of the difference between feeling hungry and craving and those sort of things as well. And, and I did that and actually found it a really interesting process for me to sort of distinguish between was my body really hungry or was I just kind of craving food or was I just eating food because it was a habit? Like I always kind of eat at this time, so habitually I just think I need to. And it was really interesting because I did kind of get to mealtime and get hungry. Uh, and then half an hour later, sort of once I'd gotten past that habitual time when I ate, I forgot about it and I actually wasn't really hungry at all. And, uh, and so I found that a really interesting perspective as well. But look, I'm really careful about recommending this. I think if you're thinking of doing it, you should do it in consultation with a healthcare practitioner, I reckon, because you know, it, it does have a propensity to lean towards perhaps some unhealthy eating habits as well true i think is one of those things that we as uh you know as well as guys i don't think we are experts in this so i think it's something you definitely want to probably do a little bit more research on that um next question is from sure. barbara chandler uh barbara chandler. Oh, Bar- <laughs> also, obviously barbara. you know her uh Boy, she's barbara. asked a question about eating before training in the morning like before a boot camp or a pt session what types of food are the best and how much how far in advance and what are the best foods to eat after two that uh, question seems like it's directed right to dk <laughs> well, this is one of my favoritest topics of all time. Favoritest. I love That's this. like a word that <laughs> I would invent. That's awesome. Yeah I, yeah, I took that from the Lawrence Tam book of English. Yes, thank and, you. Uh, <laughs> otherwise known as a dictionary. It, it and, will be published uh, very shortly. <laughs> published. <laughs> 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 I love it. I love it. And so, uh, Barbara, um, the, the key thing about um, breaking your fast is that uh, you take your body out of its fasting state. And when you when you take your body out of its its fasting state you do put your body into a um an enhanced state of metabolism and now the benefit of breaking your fast before exercising is such that if you break your fast with just a small amount of fuel and i'm talking maybe a little strawberry or a dessert spoon of some kind of yogurt if you're paleo it's going to be coconut yogurt if you're not paleo it'll be normal yogurt and uh, and you could actually add a bit of paleo forage mix to it if you wanted to just you know i thought i'd get that in there and uh did you like that boys and uh and so just a little bit not a whole lot just enough to top your sugar levels up just a little bit so that your body goes oh wow i've got a bit of sugar let's get to action let's get to let's get into gear and then what i want you to do is then go out and do some exercise now this should all happen within about 20 minutes so that you've got a big in, a, a tiny little injection a big wake up to the nervous system and to your metabolism to start burning fuel now very very quickly you'll run out of fuel and your system will then be called upon to eat away and chop away at some of the reserves. And your reserves are scattered throughout your body, and you'll start to break those down. Now, the benefit of doing that is that when you burn through your reserves, you burn through the fuels that you stored overnight while you were sleeping, and then you get through the rest of the stuff that you didn't get through on the day before or in the weeks or months before that. 
What you should then do is replenish your body after you've done your exercise with your first full meal of the day. Now, the benefit of doing this is that you put back in the proteins and the fats and the carbohydrates that your body burned through in your exercise that's essential for repair and regeneration. Not so much so that you want to rebuild your body fat cells, but uh, but so much so that uh, you repair your muscle cells, replenish the brain with enough nourishment and uh, stimulate your nervous system for repair as well. Oh, great answer. I think uh, people are going to have to rewind that and uh, re-listen to that one there. Okay. Excellent. Um, oh, I lost my voice. All right, Cameron Paul, <laughs> he's an uh, interesting question. Uh, what advantages are there seeing a chiropractor over a physiotherapist, specifically for back and joint pain? What does a chiropractor... You do that one, Lawrence. You oh. do that, Lawrence. <laughs> Off you go, Lawrence. I've got a quick answer for this. What does a chiropractor offer over health professionals? And I think chiropractic is misunderstood, and I definitely don't fully understand it. My suggestion is actually go and listen to Walton's Guide episode number 71, uh, where <laughs> we actually spent uh, a whole half an hour talking about chiropractic. And uh, I, th- I think... That would be the shortest answer that I can give. But however, just there's a massive difference between chiropractors and physiotherapists. And uh, the difference is that chiropractors really do focus on the nerve system, you know, focus on the nerve system because that controls absolutely everything in our body. And when we're for physiotherapists, in, in my understanding, is that they focus a lot on rehabilitation. They also focus a lot on really creating a, a, a nice balance for uh, back to basically before injury. And I think what the problem is that there's a misunderstanding, not just from a chiropractic point of view, there's also a misunderstanding with physiotherapist's point of view, mm-hmm. that they can't work together. And that's the biggest misconception. That's not and true, yeah. it's not true at all. Like I have, I have um, physiotherapists that I work with, and, um, and I have a lot, of, a lot of patients that see me and also see a physiotherapist as well because we do two different things. Although we are helping the person, the patient, getting to where they need to go, which is recovery and helping, but we do it from two different um, point of views. And I think mm-hmm. it's really important to, to know that, that chiropractic and physiotherapy is not like you choose one or the other. It, you can do both it, depending on your injury. And if you have a back and joint pain, it, like some people obviously respond a lot better from a chiropractic point of view, but the reason why they respond is not because we are fixing it as chiropractors we are there to help the nervous system improve and allowing the body to do its job the body does do the healing itself but the thing is is that we have to allow that body to to basically heal and in order to do that is basically allowing the nervous system to function the best of its ability I think we, uh, as chiropractors, are definitely specialists in the spine and the nervous system, that combination. And in, in saying that the body does heal itself, I agree. And I've, I've recently employed the services of an excellent physiotherapist that's close to me, just around the corner from me in my practice in Sandringham. And because I hurt my knee, boys, I've hurt my knee. And so I went and had the MRI the other day. There's a little tear in there, and uh, it's upset me quite a lot. And I've rocked on down to the physiotherapist, and she's done a great job at rehabbing my knee. Now, the knee for, for, for me, and I'm not sure about you, Lawrence, or you, Brett, the knee is kind of not an area that, as a chiropractor, I specialize on. But give me any segment of the spine, and I can do whatever you like with it. So mm. um, that's kind of where chiropractors tend to focus most of their attention to the spine and, and the nervous system. And and then other peripheral joints, whilst we can address them if there's a slight amount of dysfunction, I don't think it's necessarily all chiropractic specialty. And and I'm guessing at the same time, Damon, you're probably getting your lower back and your pelvis adjusted to make sure that oh. knee's getting the right nerve supply. <laughs> two or three times a week. Yeah, two or three times a week. That's exactly right. Yeah, so nah, spot on. Good call there, Brett. Because, you know, I definitely my knee, my knee won't get better if my pelvis is um, blocking any kind of nerve in, in information from the brain um, or if there's any other kind of subluxation or dysfunction within my nervous system uh, caused by a misalignment of the spine. So, uh, of course, I'm getting adjusted, you know, two or three <laughs> times a week. So that's crucial. 
Excellent. So episode 71, Wallen's Guys Talking Tick, that's the episode, Cameron, that where you can go to. Next question is uh, Cherie Webb. Uh, well, she already talked about water filters. I think we already talked about that. So uh, Ruth, um, what are the ramifications for using Viagra long-term for erectile dysfunction? Also, why right, wouldn't would I? <laughs> Ouch. Wow. Have you had any problems, Brett? I haven't had any long-term problems. I haven't used any medications, so that makes it easy. I think, look, I think this is one of those things that really, when we're talking into you know medication use, it's probably something that you want to be consulting your doctor for. Mm. And, uh, and we know that, you know, Perhaps if one of the doctors like the guys on the Good Doctors show, you know, one of those sort of in- integrative doctors who are into looking at the cause of the problem, not just treating it symptomatically and treating it with medications. And so I think getting a really good doctor who can help talk you through and actually explain to you properly what those side effects are, because any good doctor should be doing that, explain to you what those side effects are. Uh, that's just a, an important part of informed consent. Uh, and also giving you some options as to what else is out there, you know. But in terms of, you know, the prolonged use of that, then you really do need a to sit back and have a look at, well, why is it needed? Like, what is causing this issue to be ongoing? Mm. Uh, and see whether there's some underlying stuff there. And that may be consulting a chiropractor. That may be consulting a naturopath. That may be speaking to a more holistic doctor to yes, try and it. find out what the underlying cause of that problem is because I think that's really important. Yeah, it's really the, dealing absolutely. with the cause versus the effects, right? So the Avirag is, you know, fixing, quote-unquote, fixing the effect. But, uh, yeah, exactly. you got to get down to the cause. But can I just say, a lot of people are going to go, okay, okay, well, how do I find a great doctor? Well, what you've got to look for, and maybe a good place to start would be those doctors who have trained with the ACNEM, so the Australasian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine. In the United States, it's the doctors who have trained in the Functional Medicine Institute or Functional, yeah, that's right, the Functional Medicine Institute. Uh, and, uh, and I think... Well, they're the only two that I know of, but you'd, you'd want to look for somebody who calls themselves an integrative GP. Mm, excellent. Yeah. All right. Jennifer um, says, uh, love your podcast, guys. Thank you, Jennifer. Appreciate that. Oh, thanks, she Jen. has a question about eggs. She's setting up a chicken coop in her backyard. And through research, I found out we should get the soil tested uh, for, I don't even pronounce, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Del- is it Deldrin? a chemical used for termite spraying. Uh, supposedly the effects increase as it goes along the food chain. Do you guys know much about this and is it tested in the stores bought, uh, store-bought uh, free-range egg, free eggs? Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass this. I'm going to handball this to yeah. Damien. <laughs> I'm going to handball this one to Nicole, I think. That's, yeah, that's where to go idea. with that one. Yeah, Nicole Bilgema, we, uh, we, well... Did we interview her? Who interviewed her? I feel like I've listened to her <laughs> twice now. We, we, did. We, we did interview her, Dave. We did. We? I listened to her the other day. I listened to her on The Good Doctors. And uh, and then I remember that we've also interviewed her. Nicole, <laughs> she's a plethora of knowledge on all these kinds of environmental and household toxins. So I suspect that she'd be the girl that you'd go to with that one. Yes, and uh, that interview is coming up, um, depending on when this episode gets released. Um, so it'll be around this or so go forward or go behind you'll you'll find it and uh, hopefully you get 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 in touch with her i think she'll be the best person to answer um all right so julie julie says what is the best milk to drive a drink sorry drink for both adults and kids uh full fat low fat organic or a2 milk looking forward to the podcast as always so um i think damien damien because you talked about milk before many times and uh, you would have some great deal knowledge on milk so let's help julie out here 
Well, I do. And there'll be two very different perspectives on this. And certainly, maybe even three, because we'll, I'll give you a perspective. Mm-hmm. Brett will give you a perspective. And LT, you have a perspective as well. So I think it's important we all share it. Yep. I don't necessarily think that we need to rely on cow's milk. Um, I don't think that humans uh, need to take in as much cow's milk as what we actually do. Um, and there's a number of different reasons around that. However, if you are to choose any kind of milk, um, the purest form of milk you can get, the best. Now, there's two different types of casein molecules that many people talk about um, with regards to the standard everyday milks that we can buy in the supermarket. And uh, and this is where we get A1 and A2 milk. A1 milk is the milk that comes primarily from the Frisian cow herds. And A2 milk comes from the Jersey cow herds. Now, there's a very big difference between the casein protein molecule in the A2 milk versus the A1 milk. The A1 milk has been shown to increase the risk of type 1 diabetes and other types of health issues, including heart disease. And the A2 milk has been shown to not have that same effect. So I don't know whether or not it decreases the risk, but it certainly doesn't have that same effect. Now, this research was done by Fonterra scientists um, back in the, I think it was the early 2000s. And, uh, and now that that research has kind of just disappeared. No one really, no, it hasn't, it's still there, but it hasn't been further studied. But um, if you could get straight from the farm, unhomogenized, unpasteurized, juicy cow milk, straight from the farm, that would be the best kind of milk you could get if you are to go with the cow's milk. Now, we have almond milk here. We make our own macadamia milk. We have rice milk in the house. Uh, and we have A2 milk in the house. And it depends on what we're trying to create and what we're going to use as to what sort of milk we're going to use. And so I know that's a very broad-based answer, but we generally don't get just the normal standard everyday average milk. We try to get the best quality milk we can. We try to get organic. If we don't get organic, we get the A2 milk. All right, that's great. Uh, So, Brett, your opinion on this? Yeah, I I would be much more going along the lines of the almond milk or the coconut milk is a really Mm -hmm. good way to go. Um, And that's what we would use in our house. I'd agree with Damo, though. If you are going to use dairy, then definitely full fat. I mean, that's just, you know, that's a must. You you want to get the full fat stuff. Um, And obviously, there's a bit of controversy in Australia, particularly at the moment around the raw milk topic and whether that's available and whether you can get that. So, um, you know, there there are places who sell raw milk and it's obviously not for consumption. It's for bathing in and all sorts of uh, interesting things like (laughs) that. Thank you, Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, or you can even sometimes buy a share in a cow and actually you're just having some milk from your very own cow. So there are are some interesting ways that people uh, work around that and uh, and still source raw milk, obviously not for drinking but for other purposes. (laughs) uh, But uh, but I tell you, if if I was going to drink milk, that's certainly the way I'd be looking is is the full fat stuff, getting some good organic stuff and uh, perhaps even getting some stuff to bathe in too. That might be the way to go. Excellent. Oh, my opinion is pretty much exactly the same as that. Um, I, mean, I know that we have a couple more questions here, so I'm just going to move on. Just yeah. one more thing. Just one more thing. It's yeah, really sure. important that children don't have low fat. Yeah. Um, there's a big yeah. push to get kids to have low fat, which you know inadvertently means that they're going to want to have more sugar. And of course, sugar is way more dangerous for a child than a little bit of fat. Now, saturated fat is essential for brain development and nervous system development. So you need to get kids eating saturated fat. It's crucial. Yeah, at the end of the day, like that's why breast milk is so high in saturated fat, is because it's really important for the kids' brain development. Yeah, and and, and koala milk. 
<laughs> and the problem too as well is this sugar milk like you know that that um is served in a lot of schools you know you got all the strawberry flavored milk and yeah, sure. whatever chocolate flavored milk and it's like oh it just it's absolutely disgusting the amount of sugar that's in that that is that is the problem not the full fat milk it's yeah. the sugar in the milk that's uh, that is added and uh, that is the issue so please Almost stay with the same. That. Yeah. Almost the same as a, as a can of Coke. So, you know, I think it was – I saw just the other day that a, one of those 600-mil bottles or contain, cartons of strawberry milk contains 14 teaspoons of sugar versus the 375-mil bottle of uh, – oh, no, sorry, 600-mil bottle of Coca-Cola containing 15, close to 16 teaspoons. So That's crazy. Very close in terms of sugar content. And going back to the only reason why most parents actually give milk to the kids is because of that whole initial thing, that thinking that we need milk. So going back to what Damien said, we don't necessarily need milk. We need breast milk uh, up to a certain point, but we don't need milk. 21 to 30. (laughs) (laughs) Our next question, Kim Hollins uh, says, uh, how can you tell if certain healthy whole foods are still not right for your body? Who would like ah. to tackle that one? Oh, I love this. Yeah, right. I mean, you this. start with this one, Damien. Yeah. Oh, I love this stuff because in in summer, my favorite uh, all-time salad is to have buffalo mozzarella because I love it uh, with some basil leaves and fresh garden-grown heirloom tomatoes. I love them. I love it. Well, I did this, if it wasn't twice a day, it was sometimes three times a day. And I got to the point where my tongue started getting fizzy. It started to get really, there was something going on with my tongue and it, it got really red, not from any tomato coloring, but I was starting to have a sensitivity or a reaction to the tomatoes. I'd overeaten the tomatoes. Now, I'm very now nervous about having some tomatoes just in case it makes my tongue go tingly again. But one of the things that you can actually do to work out whether or not a food that is good for you is now no longer beneficial for you or it's now having a challenge with your body is to just to back off it, like just stay off it for a couple of months and then reintroduce it and see how your body responds to it. Now, Cindy O'Meara in her HCG diet talks about reintroduction of foods into your diet and then do this one food at a time and then weigh yourself. And she reckons that an increase in the scales by 300 grams to 500 grams equates to a fluid retention associated with a, a fl- inflammation or an immune response to a food you've just eaten. So that's her way of actually finding it out. I reckon you can actually feel it by the way in which you wake up in the morning, whether or not you wake up groggy or whether you wake up feeling fresh and fantastic. But uh, that's, that's kind of how I would go about it. Yeah, and I, I agree completely, Damo. And I think I actually think using a number of different measures is a good way to go. So, you know, because you don't really, you don't want to judge it just based on your symptoms. You want to sort of have a bit of an idea of how your body's functioning as well. And so if you can use a number of different measures, and whether that's the scales, whether that's how you're feeling, whether that's, yep. you know, how bloated you are, maybe looking at your digestion, Damo. I know you love to look at the poo, you know. I do, if, poo. If, if you use a couple of different measures, then you're more likely to get a good, well-rounded, you know, idea of actually how well your body's functioning, not just how your body's feeling, too. Mm, mm, yeah, good, we gotta, good call. We're gonna punch out these uh, last few here. Punch, out. Let's punch it out. Come on, let's go. Punch, <laughs> punch it out. <laughs> All right, Helen. Helen wanted to know about coffee. Is it good or bad? Um, I have a coffee. I enjoy it. Um, you need to understand that coffee contains caffeine 
which has an effect on your nervous system of stimulation. So the effect of stimulation on your nervous system, if you're already hyperstimulated, may not be too good. Some people are very poor metabolizers of caffeine, in which case it can cause bone loss. So, you know, it's not a, a quick, just easy a- answer to say all caffeine is bad for everybody. Sometimes some people can handle it. Now, it might be that if you're having a, a latte with three sugars, you might want to cut back on the sugars to zero sugars. And maybe you might want to make it a piccolo so that you're having less milk, in which case you're just really getting the tea or the bean um, juice. Excellent. So, I'm going to make mine really quick. I reckon you're better off without it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you <laughs> go. Just know it's a drug. <laughs> just know it's a drug. I think that's important. Um, it has a drug-like effect. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to go right to Anna. Anna here talks about protein powders. Can we make this a quick one? What are your thoughts on protein powders there, Brett? Uh, I just think you're better off getting your protein from food. Excellent. Yeah. And Damien? Same, same. But same if you've thing. got to get a protein powder, then get a really pure one. Go for whey protein isolate. Make sure it doesn't contain any sweeteners. So any sweeteners in a, in a protein powder is going to mean that there's going to either be sugar, an artificial sweetener, or something that's toxic. Now, don't get sucked in by erythritol. Um, just because it's mixed with stevia, it's not that good. So erythritol and stevia, stay away from it. Stay away from anything artificial. Make sure your whey protein isolate is just pure if you're going to use it. But try and get your protein from other sources. All right, uh, Christine Martin says it's about gene testing. Christine, I'm just going to direct you to episode number 76 on Smart DNA with Margie Smith. We did uh, one of the wellness guys. I would just listen to that one. I think that's right. going to be a great one to go to. Uh, I think this one's really important to end off here, uh, which is with uh, Brendan McKenzie here talking about soya formula. Damon, I think you would definitely have an opinion on this, and I know we all have an opinion, but I think uh, <laughs> you would be best to kind of finish this off with that one. Yeah, look, uh, look. if we went back 20 years ago, we'd say soy is the answer to everything. But now we found out that uh, soy is in about 75% of all of our processed foods. Soy does have an effect on the body, which is... Um is a hormonal effect and we're talking about a pro-estrogenic effect because the soy isoflavones now in some people it can be beneficial in in developing children i just am cautious of it and worry about using soy in kids i would stay away from it go for something else that's low reactive like a goat's milk formula if you've got to go with the formula excellent Uh, brett i might get you to answer this one last one i'm not sure if you can answer this or not but how do you feed your home chickens to have higher omega-3s in your eggs yeah, so um, just let them range, free range, basically. Uh, let them get out and eat lots of grass is pretty much what you need to do. Uh, chickens, bugs. though, are, are not vegetarian, so they should be getting some bugs and stuff as well. So, But basically, just let them free range and let them eat real food is pretty much the answer to that. There you go. Well, that was a pretty fast-paced one. We got through, I think, 99% of them. Actually, that was pretty good. That's pretty good. Excellent, boys. Uh, as always, that's been fantastic. Go to uh, thewellnesscouch.com. Obviously, leave your comments uh, below this particular episode and tell us what you think. But more importantly, there's two things we need you to do. Go to Facebook. Um, go to facebook.com slash thewellnessguys. We'll love to hear from you. Keep the conversation going. If you have more questions, you know, put them out there. We'll try our best to answer as many as we can. But the num- thing you need to do, number two, is definitely go on iTunes because uh, we'll love to have your ratings and uh, if we deserve a five-star rating which i think you know damien and brett and i agree we'd we do you can give us a five-star rating and, <laughs> and give only five comment. stars yeah only five stars um but definitely please go there and give us a rating and tell your friends and family because i think it's really important that we start spreading the ones guys and the ones couch to everyone in the world so until next week begin creating wells into our lives lead by example and let's change the world's health together join us next week on the ones guy show This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. 
The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Dr. Lawrence Tam here from The Wellness Guy Show. You know, the big ahas in life happen mostly when we're out of our normal everyday environment, right? If you're in need of some big light bulb moments and want to do it in a very luxurious surrounding like Fiji, well, I got something for you. Alfred Chakros, Kim Morrison, Cindy O'Meara, Karen Smith, and my boys, the Damien Christoph, Brett Hill from The Wellness Guys, and myself will be hanging out at the Western Resort and Spa in Fiji. We'll love to have you to be part of our first BFO wellness retreat in September. We're taking a small group of people to immerse themselves in discovering life purpose, physical health, and well-being. It'll be three days and two nights of unforgettable memories, definitely some massive breakthroughs, and of course, we're going to have lots of fun. For more information or book your spot, please go to shop.thewellnesscouch.com. That's shop.thewellnesscouch.com. And we'll look forward to seeing you there. Take care.